أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir where inshallah ta'ala we will take a page of the Quran and make tafsir of it inshallah ta'ala each and every single episode. And today inshallah ta'ala we begin with the second surah of the Quran and that is surah al-Baqarah. And the word Baqarah refers to the cow which is a surah that we will come uh, a story rather that we will come across in the tafsir of this surah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to. And so Allah azza wa jal in this surah, Surah Al-Baqarah, it is a surah which is the longest surah of the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, containing some 286 verses. And it is a surah which, according to some of the narrations among some of the scholars of tafsir, it was the first surah to be revealed in the city of Medina after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It is an extremely important surah. If you cast your mind back to the first episode of this series when we spoke about Surah Al-Fatiha and we spoke about the different principles or some of those principles that are contained therein, one of the major principles was the principle of Tawheed and the principle of seeking guidance and, and distinguishing between the guidance that leads to Allah Azza wa and other types of guidance. This Surah, Surah Al-Baqarah, it is something which takes those principles and mentions them in a much greater detail. It is essentially the way that the Muslims should behave and act and the methodology that they should be upon when they come closer or as they seek to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for that reason, Surah Al-Baqarah is one of those surahs that is mentioned as having a number of virtues. Not least the virtue that was mentioned in the previous episode, which was in Surah Al-Fatiha, that it is one of those two lights, one of those treasures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in specifically and in particular the last few verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. It is a surah that also contains the greatest verse of the Quran, Ayat Al-Kursi, which rather than being mentioned you know, in, as a, a single surah in and its own right or being mentioned elsewhere in the Quran, it is mentioned and placed in the middle of Surah Al-Baqarah. And so that is the greatest verse of the Quran also found within this surah. This uh, surah is also mentioned in the Sunnah in a number of contexts. From those contexts is the hadith in Sahih Muslim on the authority of the companion and Nawas ibn Sam'an radiyallahu an that he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that from that which Allah azawajal will give to the believers on Yawm al-Qiyamah is that these surahs, meaning Surah al-Baqarah and the following surah, which is Surah Al-Imran, the third surah of the Quran, they will come, these two surahs, like a flock of birds or like a cloud shading the people who used to recite them on Yawm al-Qiyamah. Because on the Day of Judgment, there will be no shade. There will be no natural shade or no natural place of shade except the shade that Allah Azza wa gives to whomsoever He wills from His creation. And so from the ways of gaining shade on that day that will be extremely hot and will be unbearable is a person who reads Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran often understanding what is mentioned therein. And also from the uh, virtues of this surah is what is mentioned in the hadith in Sahih Muslim of Abu Huraira radiallahu an that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, don't make your houses into graves. For indeed the house in which Surah Al-Baqarah is recited, shaitan or the devils flee from. 
the devil flees from the house in which the surah is recited. And so Surah Al-Baqarah is a surah that should be read, should be memorized, should be recited, should be understood, should be studied because of its importance and because of the many lessons that it contains therein. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this surah in a way that you will find recurring in a number of surahs in the Qur'an. And that is that it begins with a number of letters that are essentially placed together. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins and he says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alif Lam Allah Azza begins by placing these three letters together, Alif Lam Meem. And this is something you will find in a number of surahs in the Quran, whether it's these three letters that are being placed together or other letters. And sometimes it is a single letter that has been placed at the beginning of a surah. These letters, these scholars of tafsir differ greatly as to their significance and as to their exact meaning. Some of the scholars of tafsir are of the position that it is from the miracles or the secrets of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala said. It is from the secrets of the Qur'an and really Allah Azza wa knows best exactly what the purpose of them is. And other scholars said that we can perhaps surmise or guess at the importance of these letters when they come at the openings of certain surahs. From those positions amongst those scholars who strive to attain the significance of these letters at the beginning of these surahs, some of them said that these are the letters that the Arabic language is made up of. The Arabic language is made up of an alif, and a lam, and a meem, and a ra, and a noon, and these are the letters that you find at the beginning of certain surahs of the Qur'an. So therefore it was almost like a challenge to the Arabs who used to claim that they were the most eloquent, that they were the most proficient in the Arabic language, and at the same time would claim that the Prophet wasallam, what he had brought in terms of the revelation of the Qur'an were the ramblings of a madman, or some type of sorcery or poetry, or whatever it was that they would claim. If that is the case, then you tell us what, is the, what are the meanings of these letters and their significance. They're the same letters that you use in your everyday speech, in your own poetry, in your own literature. What is it the significance of these letters then refers to? So it was made as a challenge for those Arabs. When Allah told them to reproduce something similar to the Qur'an, or even a chapter of the Qur'an to produce something similar to it, that these are the letters that Allah places there for, and what is it that you can bring that is similar to it, and they were obviously unable to do so. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, الكتاب, In the second verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This is the scripture, meaning this is the book, the Qur'an, in which there is no doubt. It contains guidance for those who have the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah begins the book, or begins Surah Al-Baqarah, and begins the second surah of the Qur'an, and so we're very pretty much on the second page of the Qur'an. So at the very beginning of the Qur'an, Allah is establishing that the Qur'an is a book in which there is no doubt. Meaning that there is no mistake, there is no deficiency, there is no contradiction, there is nothing that is weak concerning the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing that would make you stop and think, actually perhaps this isn't from Allah Perhaps this is something which a group of people or a single man or someone else came and they put together. Because every work that is of a human endeavor, every work that is the result of the efforts of people, will have mistakes, or they will have errors, or there will be contradictions, or there will be things that are placed as fact that then later become recognized as being other than fact. But Allah says, this book, the Qur'an, لا ريبفي. There is no doubt therein. 
There is no doubt within the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore for me and you as Muslims, if there is no doubt in the book of Allah azza wa jal, why would we turn away from it? Why would we seek as a source of guidance and as a source of mercy and blessing something in which there could possibly be doubt? There is doubt, there is deficiency, there is contradiction. It is the litmus test of the book of Allah of revelation that is divine, that comes from the one true Lord and Creator, that there can be no doubt in it. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us in the Qur'an. But for in order for a person to benefit from that, in order for a person to ascertain that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they must be from the people of taqwa. It is guidance, hudan lil muttaqeen, a source of guidance for the people of piety, for the people who are mindful and fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa Jal in Surah Al-Baqarah in its opening passage speaks about the Qur'an and then Allah Azza wa Jal will speak about the three groups of people or the three categories of people vis-a-vis the Qur'an, vis-a-vis this revelation. The book of Allah Azza wa Jal, this is the Qur'an. But the way that people interacted with the book of Allah Azza wa Jal and continue to do so, the way that people look upon the Qur'an or the way that the people accept or don't accept the Qur'an, those people, they fall into three categories. The first category are the people of taqwa, the muttaqeen. It is a source of guidance for the people of taqwa. Who are the people of taqwa? What does taqwa mean? This is a term that is mentioned multiple times in the Qur'an, multiple times in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Taqwa is often translated as being uh, fear or piety or mindfulness or consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are common translations that you will find of the word. But the concept of taqwa is essentially to place between yourself and between Allah's punishment a barrier. And that barrier is constructed through belief and through good deeds. The more that you do in terms of strengthening your belief in Allah, and the more that you do in terms of attaining good deeds, the stronger and the greater that barrier between you and Allah's punishment. And that is why often taqwa is referred to as being the fear of Allah or the piety of Allah, or the God-consciousness of Allah Azza wa Jal, or mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because essentially every time you remember Allah, you're building a, or placing a brick within that barrier, placing a brick in that wall, that essentially will be a barrier between you, and between the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Abu Huraira radiallahu an, the famous companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was asked, what is taqwa? He said to a person, when you're walking down the road, and you come across a part of the road where it's littered with thorns, littered with thorns, what would you do? The man replied, I would walk around the thorns. I would avoid them. I would place my feet where there are no thorns and then traverse that path or walk upon that path. So he said to him, and that is taqwa. That is what taqwa does. Allah says, stay away from drinking alcohol, stay away from riba, stay away from zina, stay away from killing and murder, stay away from these sins because they will bring upon you the wrath of Allah and His punishment. Just like those thorns, you may step upon them and you are punished for doing so. So likewise, that is what taqwa essentially does for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the people who truly take guidance from the Qur'an are the people who fit this description. They're seeking guidance from the Qur'an. They want to learn. They want to come closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. They are seeking guidance. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them that guidance by virtue of their taqwa. And so taqwa is something which is extremely virtuous, extremely rewarding. 
and it is one of the greatest attributes that you can have as a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal often in the Quran, often in the Quran praises the people of taqwa. Allah tells us that He loves the people of taqwa. And Allah Azza wa Jal tells us that He only accepts the deeds of the people of taqwa. Allah only accepts the deeds of the people of taqwa. And that is because that virtue, that description, the attribute of taqwa is inherent to the way that the Muslim should be. In order for you to truly benefit from the Quran, in order for you to truly come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you must train and it is a sense of training. And that training is hard and it takes time. It takes perseverance and self-discipline but ultimately can be done just as you train yourself in your profession, in your career, in a sport, in a hobby. Likewise, you train yourself spiritually and physically to have the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to stop and to gauge at every single moment and every single before every single decision, whenever you have a choice to ask yourself and to question yourself and to train yourself, where does taqwa lie within these choices? Which of these two paths is the path of taqwa? the path that is most pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that is what taqwa is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to describe those people of taqwa. They are the people who will attain guidance from the book of Allah azza wa jal. What is the description of those people? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ وَيُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةَ وَمِمَّا رَزَقَنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ they are those who believe in the unseen. They believe in the ghaib. And the ghaib, the unseen, is everything which otherwise you wouldn't know. Otherwise you wouldn't know it. You only know it because Allah told you or because His Prophet ﷺ told you. And so that is the ghaib. The stories of the people of the past that you had no other way of knowing. The stories of what will take place on the Day of Judgment. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to us from the punishment of the fire or the reward of Jannah. What Allah azza wa has told us about the existence of the angels and the jinn. These are things that are all unseen. We would have no way of ascertaining any of that information. Were it not that Allah azza wa told us or the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The believer is the one who believes in the ghaib. Why is that mentioned as the first uh, attribute of the believer? Because it is easy to believe in things which are in front of you. Someone says to you, believe in you know, a car, that cars exist or that aeroplanes exist. Or, those are things that are relatively easy. Everyone accepts them because they are things that you can see. But to believe in something which you cannot see, which you cannot know for certainty, but because of the evidences that you have before you, because of your iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because you attest to the truthfulness of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you accept their words and you believe in those things, that is the level of true iman. If everyone could see punishment, if everyone could see reward, if everyone could see what will happen on the day of judgment, then no one would be a disbeliever. Everyone would believe, everyone would accept Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the believer differentiates themselves from the disbeliever in one of these core aspects. And one of those core aspects is the belief in the unseen. And that is where Allah azza wa jal begins with it. Because that unseen allows you, or that belief in the unseen allows you to benefit from the Quran. Because how much of the Quran speaks about the hereafter? about paradise and hellfire, about stories of the past and incidents that took place, about what happened even in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, that none of us is an eyewitness to, none of us was there, none of us saw, nor did our fathers or grandparents or anyone that we have any connection with. But it is that belief in unseen 
that allows us to know and attest to the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then there are people who because of the iman in the unseen, the iman and the greatest of the iman of the unseen is iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because of that iman in the unseen, there are people who do actions, perform actions, do what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they establish the prayer and they give from that which Allah provided for them. From the zakah and from the sadaqah, whether it's monetary or not monetary, they are people of charity, people who give. Because they know that those two actions are extremely beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah azza wa often in the Quran links the two between prayer and between giving. Giving and spending and prayer are often linked within the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes in their very uh, explicit form of salah and zakah and sometimes in a more generic way as is mentioned in this particular verse in Surah Al-Baqarah. And that is because these two actions, they fortify the believer. And these two actions are the gateway to every other action and good deed in our religion. The person who prays and is steadfast upon the prayer, maintains the prayer every single day, five times a day without fail, that is the person who then by Allah's blessings will be a person who's opened up the door also to dhikr and to recitation of the Quran and to dua and to other acts that are physical in nature. Because the salah is physical in nature. You stand, you pray, you bow, you prostrate, you recite. These are actions that are physical. So by doing so and by being uh, be, by being continuous and steadfast upon them, then you have opened up the door, inshallah ta'ala, to all other doors of good in terms of those physical actions. And when it comes to giving and spending, it is monetary in its essence. And it is also a sense of sacrifice in its essence. Because to give and to spend and to give different types of charity, whether they are monetary, meaning in money, cash, or whether it's food or whether it's help, it is all forms of sacrifice. And any type of sacrifice humbles the soul. And one of the things that you need, therefore, in order to reach that level of high iman, of taqwa, is these two things. The act of discipline, of worship, of prayer, of steadfastness, but also the act of humbling yourself and sacrifice and turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seeking His help by helping others that Allah azza wa has commanded you to help. And so these are the attributes of the believers. This is the way that the believer is. The believer is the one who is always engaged in an act of worship, constant remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Belief in Allah azza wa jalla is always there and their day rotates around the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is through prayer and through dhikr and through the recitation of the Quran and making dua and other good deeds. And they are people of sacrifice because they know that the true reward the true life, the true existence is not the existence of this life or the life of this world, but rather it is the existence and the life of the next world. That is where ultimate happiness will be. Ultimate joy, ultimate reward is what Allah has prepared for the believers in Jannah. So they strive, the believers strive, and they sacrifice, and they acknowledge, and they learn. And as they learn, they increase in action and in good deeds, all to achieve that goal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed before them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that also from the descriptions of these people of Iman is وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ وَمَا أُنزِلَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ وَبِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ يُوقِنُونَ Those who believe in the revelation that was sent down to you, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and in the revelation of that which was sent before you, and they have certainty in the life of the hereafter. 
from the descriptions of these people is that they are people who believe in revelation. They accept the prophets of Allah and as believers, as Muslims, it is a core fundamental principle of our faith that we accept all of the prophets of Allah and all of the revelations that were given to those prophets from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we believe that all of them were abrogated by the coming of our Prophet and the revelation that he received, which was the Quran. But that doesn't mean that we diminish in any way, shape or form the station of those prophets and those messengers, nor the revelations that they received. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that the way of the people of Iman is that they believe in the prophets and they believe in the revelations that they were given. Because in order for you to be able to fully understand the Quran, to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to worship Allah in a way that is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you must accept the revelation of those prophets and messengers. For us as Muslims today, that means essentially following the sunnah of our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when the Prophet explains to us the concepts of the Qur'an, Allah says pray in the Qur'an, but He doesn't teach us how to pray. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to give zakah, but Allah doesn't give us all of the rulings of zakah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to perform hajj, but He didn't give us the, the format or the various uh, actions and the various days upon which those actions are to be performed in the Qur'an. Those actions, those, that knowledge, that information, that detailed explanation, it is taken from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. The believer is the one who accepts what the Prophet ﷺ says. And so those people who say that we only take the Qur'an, we don't really take what the Prophet ﷺ said, or we don't really know about what the sunnah is, those people have gone against the very opening passage of the Qur'an. And they have gone against one of the core attributes of the believers. And that is that the believers are those people who know that we must worship our Lord and Creator because He alone is worthy of worship. But they also know that me and you as average people, me and you as average believers, we don't know the path that is most pleasing to Allah. We don't know what Allah commands. Yes, He tells us to worship Him, but how and when and in which way? Those are things that Allah Himself legislates. It's not for me and you to choose the how and the when and the what and the why. No, it is Allah who dictates. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dictates and Allah chooses, He gives us that information, that knowledge through a prophet and a messenger that He chooses, that He elevates, that He raises in station through that revelation. And it is through the revelation that that Prophet then is given that we are able to seek and understand what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from that which is not pleasing to Allah azza wa That is what the believers do. And so the believer, the Muslim, is the one who understands this core principle that in order for us to attain success in this life and more importantly in the next life, it is not just about what I think or what I want, my desires, but rather it is about what Allah azza wa has commanded me to do. Excuse me, and that is by following the sunnah of the Prophet So we are people who follow the way of Allah through His revelation, the Quran, and through the sunnah of the Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes the description of this first group, the believers, and He says, Such people are following their Lord's guidance, and it is such people who will be prosperous. They will be the successful. Allah therefore is saying to us, these attributes that he's listed in these first few verses 
of Surah Al-Baqarah, those people who hold on to those attributes, who abide, who who who, um, who apply them, who embody them, these are the people of guidance. Allah Azza wa Jalla told us in Surah Al-Fatiha. Let's connect those verses now. Surah Al-Fatiha. We make du'a, oh Allah, guide us to the straight path, keep us firm upon the straight path. In the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah says, "This Quran, it is the path of guidance." Guidance for those who have the people of taqwa. Who are the people of taqwa? These are their attributes. These are their characteristics. They believe in the unseen. They establish the salah. They give the zakah. They are people who believe in revelation. They are people who follow the prophets and messengers of Allah. والسلام, do all of that. You will have the guidance that you sought and asked Allah for in Surah Al-Fatiha. So it is not just simply about asking and making dua to Allah for guidance, but then sitting at home or sitting or going about our daily lives without paying any thought or any mind as to the way in which we can seek that guidance. Because the vast majority of Muslims today, unfortunately, are people who make that dua, but then they don't really actively seek that guidance. They don't really go and learn. They don't seek knowledge. They don't really study tafsir. They don't really study the sayings and the actions and the sunnah of the Prophet but they expect that guidance simply to be embodied or embedded within their hearts. Guidance is something which you have to actively seek. It is something which you constantly make dua for. It is something which you go and seek knowledge for so that you can always be sure that you have guidance. Guidance in the major issues such as aqidah, your belief, your creed, what it is that you believe in about Allah and the Prophet wasallam and the Day of Judgment and all of those other fundamentals of our religion, but also guidance in those other issues that we need as Muslims. Guidance in the way that I pray, in the way that I give zakah, in the way that I fast, in the way that I will make hajj or umrah, guidance in the way that I get married, or if I was going to get divorced, or in the way that I should up, uh, to bring up my children, the guidance in the way that I conduct my affairs, my business transactions, my buying, my selling, my loaning, all of those different aspects that are within our lives. Each and every single one of them has guidance from the Quran and guidance from the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. If you are people who follow the path of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, you're people who take the revelation and understand it and apply it, then Allah says that you are the people who, are, who will be given guidance by His permission and that guidance by necessity equals prosperity, it equals success, it equals the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His reward. And with that, we come to the end of today's page. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he makes us from the people of guidance and therefore from the people of success. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.